Well, just a couple more weeks to the end of the year, but it's time to go inside EMS. I am your host, Chris Sabalero, and with me always is the man of the hour, too sweet to be sour. The ladies know he's the man with the power, Kelly Grayson. KG, what's going on with you? Oh, man, just just the usual. North Country, it is officially North Country winter now. The, the dogs are loving the snow, and uh, it's nice and cold. How many dogs? Uh, Don't you have one dog? I have two dogs. What's the I other dog? A, well, Shine is lying around here somewhere. Shine's my old man. He's he's part great, as his breeder said, he's half Great Pyrenees, half Bernese Mountain Dog, and half Husky, which <laughs> makes him a dog and a half. Uh, he's digging it. And then the I have a psychotic little uh, Velociraptor in, descri- in disguise named Patty, uh, a Border Collie mix. His name is Patty O'Furniture. So, so uh, he's, uh, I saw what you yeah, did. There. He has he has things to chase and everything, and thankfully, no other dogs around here to uh, savagely kill. So, very cool. All right, good. So they're they're digging the weather. Yeah, I mean, usually heavy coated dogs. When I was in uh, New England, I had Nikita, and she just never wanted to come inside. She always wanted to be outside, where there was snowing whether it was raining and they're very strong-willed dogs. You're not going to get them inside. Yep, so yeah, do what you want, that. do what you want. So, well, Kelly, today, one of the things that, you know, you and I have talked about as we plan our shows is, you know, you're doing the work up there in New York to develop a paramedic program. And part of that program is a good preceptor program as well, you know, getting clinical and ride-alongs and, so we thought it would be interesting to talk about uh, what goes into becoming a good preceptor, what goes into becoming a mentor and a role model. And I don't know that we really focus on those things in EMS, right? We, we kind of have a saying that says we like to forget our old and eat our young, right? It's the middle people yeah. who are doing the work. But one of the things that we really have to start to think about is how do we transition ourselves to being more professional when it comes to training. You know, I used to tell the FTOs all the time, you are the gatekeepers to the organization. And if you tell me that this person doesn't belong in the organization, they don't belong in the organization. Or if you tell me this person needs more time, I don't care how many open seats that I have. We need more time to get that person ready. And I don't know that preceptors and FTOs really kind of understand the magnitude of the work that they do. To be honest with you, on top of that, let's put some icing on the cake here, Kelly. I don't know that organizations give their field training, their FTOs and their preceptors the empowerment to make those decisions. A lot of times, because we have these open spots, we bring them in, we put them on the truck, and then we rush them through the training process just so they can fill a square. So we thought that it would be good to kind of focus on uh, preceptor, role model, mentor, and the training that goes into that. But your initial thoughts before we get started. Well, I, I think the downfall of many and otherwise good EMS training program is the preceptor. Preceptor program. All too often, we, we spend inordinate amounts of time and money training people and educating people to with the with the most current uh, medical knowledge and then they are ruined during the clinical internship by some burnout whose sole qualification is 
they managed to hang around for longer without any, uh, than anyone else without getting fired. Uh, and they couldn't teach an armadillo to dig a hole in the ground. Uh, and we luckily, we, we have not encountered many of those, but I know that, that that has been a problem in the past. That has been a problem in other programs that I taught. And, you know, we, we had a couple of, of guys or girls who, who there was some pushback in our preceptor training and it became obviously apparent that, that it wasn't the, the information we were giving them. And, and no matter how much you might talk about desirable character traits and behaviors and, and adult learning techniques and, and coaching strategies and everything else that a good preceptor needs to know if these people ain't buying it, it's, it's just wasted words. And, and they weren't buying it. It's just, just a couple of them. They weren't buying it because they had crappy attitudes. Now that crappy attitude hadn't, hadn't kept them from precepting for multiple other programs for years, but you know, and, and that attitude not uncommon, you know, you, you've got these old guys like salty old FTO bill, in the memes, you know, that, that are not really good at mentoring, but are really good at intimidating and belittling students and, and, and causing a conflict and character assassination. Why do you need to know that? I've been an EMT or I've been a paramedic for 30 years and I've never had to interpret a blood gas and, and this kind of nonsense. And, and uh, I think we've been, traditionally in this profession, choosing our preceptors and training them all wrong. Well, I think that one of the things that we've got to be able to look at is, is the leadership science behind yeah. being a preceptor. One of the things that we have to remember is we are training the next generation or the people who are going to help us relieve the burden of doing too much work. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Kelly, we did the show about the individuals at DC Fire that stopped to get something to eat. That's the culture of the organization, right? So the preceptors, the FTOs, have to be able to set the standard for what the organization is going to look like. Now, the, there's a leadership science called organizational socialization. And organizational socialization is how the new employees, it's the science behind how new employees come into an organization and the different phases that they go through throughout their uh, initial hiring. Well, one of those, the initial component of organizational socialization is the anticipation of joining the organization. Mm -hmm. You know, I worked at MedStar in Fort Worth, Texas, a premier EMS system, and everybody wanted to come and work at MedStar, but not everybody was uh, given the opportunity to come work at MedStar. Then they had an, a credible an incredible training process, and you had to get through the training process. Sometimes that training process would take 12 to 14 weeks to get through before you got assigned to your own truck. So when we start to think about this science, organizational socialization is, yes, I finally got on at MedStar. Yes, I finally got on in Acadian. Yes, I finally got on at Christian Hospital. Now when they come in and they're given to that salty paramedic, it starts to break down the excitement of being part of those great organizations. And from a leadership standpoint, we may not know that. So understanding how people are feeling when they come in 
is really, really important to the process because it inspires them, it motivates them. Now, if we get to the, you know, as a preceptor, we get to, well, forget everything you learned in school. This is the way we really do it. I do think that there are components of forget what you learned in school. This is the way we really do it. But I don't know that it should be negative. You know, keep what you know, keep what you were taught in school. We do do things a little bit differently in the field. Let me show you what we're talking about here. But really, so the first step is we don't want to deflate the anticipatory process of organizational socialization and make them feel like they are now part of the premier EMS system. I don't care if you run four trucks. I don't care if you run 40 trucks. You are a premier EMS system and you need to be able to act and show it. Yeah. Well, I think one of the flaws there is that that sometimes the leader of an agency, uh, there is a disconnect between the leader of the agency about between the leader of the agency and his subordinates or, or his uh, his uh, leadership staff or management staff. There's not uh, not everyone has a good finger on the pulse of the culture at their agency. And as as Nancy loves to say that her favorite Peter Druckerism is culture eats strategy for breakfast. And you can have high-minded ideals and think the best of your employees, but where the rubber meets the road, where you get out there and actually talk to people, you find out what their, what their attitudes really are. And for some reason, you know, quite often you get some cynical and disgruntled people that are in the role of preceptors undermining everything that you do and, and undermining the anticipation of joining that organization, you know, that's, I think is a problem with, with both culture and, and, and there's an element of burnout to it, but it's also a problem with, with buy-in. Not everyone believes the company line, but because they show up on time and they turn in a billable ticket every time they know their protocols and don't get any complaints and their uniform is pressed and their boots are shined. Voila, they're a preceptor. Uh, and they may not have the character traits needed to be a preceptor or a teacher at all. That's a problem in how we identify our preceptors and 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 field training officers and that sort of thing. But uh, the the stellar EMS agencies know better. You mentioned Fort Worth MedStar and, and some others. They're, they're clinical or clinical cadre and their preceptors and field training officers have gone through extensive training and they, it takes more than just turning in a billable ticket and not getting complained on and hanging around for 15 years to be a preceptor at those agencies. Unfortunately, the reality is, is, is that that old attitude is still prevalent in many, many, many agencies around the country and the North country of New York uh, is no exception. So what we're trying to do is grow our own preceptors. We're trying to identify people at each agency that may have the right character traits. What's the, what's the old saying? Hire for attitude, train for ability. We're trying to, to find preceptors with the right character traits and then put them through our preceptor training program. And the idea is that a year hence, no one who has not been through our preceptor training program shepherds any of our candidates and and that's that's the goal but 
and we received remarkably little pushback where most of the, the agencies of people in our preceptor training workshops have been, have been uh, extremely um, receptive to what they're picking up, what we're putting down, but we got a couple of them the, among the oldest ones there that have been doing it for the longest um, are, are pushing back against that. And you need to like move that. those people now. So yes, the, the exactly. people, the people who are pushing back, you know, don't don't take them a step further. I like, love it when the I love it when the people with bad attitudes skyline themselves. It's okay. Yeah. Hey, you just made my mental list, buddy. I hope it, it won't have to become an official list or don't send our students to this person. But yeah, you just you just made my mental list on yelling and complaining and and belittling students is not kosher. Sure. I don't care what you think it is. And, but if and, you but if you've said but Kelly, you take them out of the mix now. Don't even make a yeah. list, right? Yeah, because those are going to be your problem children. But anyway, so when we talk about before when I was at MedStar, I was the director of clinical services. So my job was to run all the clinical aspects of the MedStar system, and that included preceptor and FTOs. But one of the things that I always wanted the preceptors and the FTOs to know. FTOs were a little bit different because then they're employees. But if we look at just from a preceptor standpoint, we all went through it and we all, there are people who just love to have students and there yeah. are other people that when they hear they have a student, you know, they make the face and they, and they stomp the foot and they make the noise. And those are people who are going to set the reputation of the organization once they leave. Oh, yeah. I had this preceptor. They always talk about him, you know, oh my gosh, this Kelly Grayson. He is just a pain in the blah, blah, blah. And he da, 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 da. Well, all of a sudden, not only does Kelly Grayson have a bad reputation, but the organization fits into that as well. But one of the things from a preceptor standpoint is you have to be able to set the standards for others to follow. How do you look in your uniform? How do you keep your truck? How do you communicate with people? One of the things that I've talked about for a lot of years is that Everyone is a leader in the organization, right? The definition of leadership is influence. If we can influence people, we can lead people. It's not that I'm a CEO. It's not that I'm an EMS chief. It's not that I'm a operations supervisor. It's that I have the ability to influence. And we have to be able to understand that. From a preceptor standpoint, your responsibility is to train paramedics and EMTs who are going through the process. Everybody who's listening to this show has sat on an ambulance as a preceptor or as a, as a trainee, they've had to do their ride time. They've had to get their clinical time and you have to be able to do that. And you've got to be able to come up with ways that will allow the student to have the best opportunity possible with confidence. A lot of times too, we'll stick up a, a trainee into a situation where they may not be comfortable with. And you have to be able to engage that as a preceptor. You know, one of the things that we developed in our preceptor program was verbal cues. And this was in our FTO program as well, was verbal cues. If somebody came in and they were having, you know, some challenges with breathing, we would be able to talk around those things like patients should be on oxygen. How much oxygen do you want to give them? You know, nasal cannula, non-rebreather. And then when we would talk about those prompts, you know, what was the, what was the, what was the respirations of that patient? Meaning they didn't get their vital signs yet. So we were able to verbally prompt them. 
but you have to be able to come up with a process as a program and not as an individual truck of how you're going to handle that student. Yeah. You know, well, medical schools used to have a, a term for that pimping. And uh, obviously it's not widely used anymore because of uh, other negative connotations. But, but when a, when a, a resident would pimp the new interns, he's, he's prodding them asking for information and the fact that they can't provide that information is clue that, hey, you didn't do a thorough assessment. You didn't take a thorough history and, and all this sort of things. And preceptors need to do the same thing as well. I, I think part of the problem is, is that we are, you know, we want our preceptors to provide confidence and clarity, not conflict and character assassination. And, and that whole forgiveness forget everything you learned in school. This is the way it's really done. It's something we tried to stamp out from the very single, the the first slide in our introductory preceptor introductory program. But the, the problem is, is that we're trying to train the paramedics of today and tomorrow. And we don't even know what the paramedic of tomorrow is going to be. That's a great David Page quote. But we don't know what that person is going to be, but we're trying to educate the paramedics of tomorrow for the best of our ability. But their preceptors are the paramedics of yesterday. And and raise your hand if you, you know, are still practicing EMS the way you did 10 years ago. It's it it changes rapidly. And if you can't keep up, then you have no business shepherding new paramedics through the process. Yeah, what's that? What's that Muhammad Ali quote? If you're the same person at 25 than you were at 50, you just wasted 25 years. Exactly, exactly, and and which brings to mind the the Mike Tyson quote that I like to talk about flexibility is that everybody's got plenty until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> and that's I true. don't know. I don't know that we need boxing. You don't have to outquote me. You know what I mean? <laughs> but but it's true. You know, not every educational plan follows you know, follows a set pattern and, and you have to be flexible in your teaching methods and everything else. But we, you know, every EMS education program out there, not just Clarkson University, but every one of them graduates their candidates with the tools to, to excel and to treat patients appropriately. But what they're building with those tools is not always obvious. I, I liken it to, and I did this thought exercise with a former partner and, and student of mine, draw me a house. You know, I said, look, draw a rectangle. Now on top of the rectangle, draw a triangle. Now in it, draw uh, in that rectangle or in, in that square, draw two smaller squares and then a rectangle with a circle in it. You know, and it looked like a cubist painting, but a good preceptor translates all those discrete skills into build me a house. They don't know what the end product is supposed to look like. And as much as we may have tried with Sim Man and, and our Sim Lab and, and high fidelity mannequins and, and scenario training, they still haven't seen it where it looks, where where the great variable, a patient is, is thrown in there and, and what it's supposed to look like. So, you know, a huge part of that is, is, is uh, setting a good example, but, but that's easier said than done. You know, how do you, how do you be a good example? You be exemplary. 
You know, how many of us are exemplary day after day after day? It's it's a hard, hard task. And, you know, another another flaw is we don't we don't compensate our preceptors fairly. We're we're looking into that and seeing if we can budget something to to uh, to make it worth our preceptors while to to take students. But as it is right now, we're just trying to give them some other benefits uh, that make it worth their while to to uh, shepherd the next generation of EMTs, you know, more than just a pizza party. I give them a pathway to to uh, becoming an EMS educator and some pre-certification classes and that sort of thing. And that, that seems to be well received by the people we're, we're holding these workshops for. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I want to touch on as well is that when you have students I don't know that we concentrate, I'm going to back up a little bit. I don't know that we concentrate enough on our legacy, on our professional reputation. Now, I've had the opportunity to develop a good reputation in EMS as a clinician, as a trainer, as a leader, uh, as an educator, as a podcast host. And to me, those things are very important, right? Uh, EMS is my career. I've made it my career. And I've tried to excel in every single position that I've had. One of the things that you need to be able to think about as a field trainer, as a preceptor, is this is your professional reputation that you're putting on the line. You can say, well, I don't care what people think about me. Well, how do you know that one day the person that you're training five years down the road isn't the person who's going to hire you, you know, isn't the person that you're going to be working next to. You're trying to get a job in this agency And this person said, you know, I had them as a preceptor and they were really horrible. So you have to be able to remember that this is your professional reputation that you're trying to develop. I work a lot with my coaching clients and particularly I have about six coaching clients right now that are trying to build their legacy of what they want their career to look like. And that is an orchestrated process. That's not a let's see what happens process, right? And you have to be able to develop the opportunities necessary that are going to set the success of your organization. But Kelly, if I ask you the question, what do you think? I mean, you've been on a truck for a lot of years, and I'm sure you've trained students as well. What is the secret to being a good preceptor in EMS today? I guess start off with something smaller if you need a, a, a smaller question. No, no. Um, oh, okay. I think that that if preceptors have a fundamental understanding of the, their role in shaping the future of the profession, if, if you can still see the big picture, that this person that is on my truck today who is marginally competent and a little, uh, and a little unsure of himself and makes a mistake here and there, one day we'll be treating hundreds, if not thousands of patients uh, and has an uh, ability to impact their lives. And if I do my job right, right now, they may become a preceptor or an educator and, and increase the number of lives they may impact by an order of magnitude. The importance of, of what you're doing as a preceptor becomes apparent and, so you mentioned the word legacy. That's it right there. Legacy. Yeah, I, I use a, a military analogy for this, and, and you're you're familiar with that from your time in the Air Force. The the keepers of the flame 
are not the instructors. They're not the officers. Officers come and go. Instructors and professors come and go. But the preceptors or the NCOs are the people who keep the uh, are the keepers of the flame and pass on the traditions. It doesn't matter what military you're in. The professional soldiers or the professional military members who pass on the traditions and and keep that tradition alive, hopefully good traditions, are always the NCOs. They're the sergeants, occasionally the the corporals, the the E4 mafia, but it's it's the NCOs that do it all. Officers come and go, but the the guy you can always rely on to point you in the right direction, to give you a, an encouraging word, or to plant a foot in your rectum when it's necessary is your is your NCO. You know, and, and that's what the preceptors are in a paramedic or an EMS training program. And uh, I think a lot of time they, they feel like they have a thankless task and that uh, they are not um, valued. And the, that's the farthest thing from the truth. They are probably the most important component of EMS education. But, you know, that's what I think. We'd like to hear what you think. What's What are preceptors like in your agency? Do they go through a specific training program? We hope so, but we'd like to hear your thoughts. What makes a good preceptor? What do preceptors need to know to be good at their jobs? Send us an email at the show at ems1.com. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes and watch us on YouTube. And for myself and co-host Chris Ceballero, the guy with the goofy shamrock on his hat, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. Going to catch you guys next week. <laughs>